Feebugger seems like a logical choice. You know, he he checks a lot of boxes. He certainly has the sort of business and deal-making acumen that we might expect to see from Biogen's pick. Interestingly, though, Feebucker might not have been the company's first choice. That's Fraser Kansteiner, a staff writer here at Fierce Pharma. Later, we'll hear more from him about Biogen's new CEO. I'm Teresa Carey, and this is The Top Line from Fierce Biotech, Fierce MedTech, and Fierce Pharma. Today is Friday, December 2nd. Stick with us. We've got all the biopharma and medtech industry news you need. The FDA just approved the most expensive drug in the world, and it only costs $3.5 million. As Zoe Becker reports, the drug is called Hemgenix, and it is the first gene therapy approved for hemophilia B. It was created by CSL Bering and Unicure. Hemophilia B is a lifelong bleeding disorder. It causes insufficient levels of factor IX, which is a blood clotting protein. Typically, the treatment for hemophilia B is regular infusions of factor IX replacement therapy to prevent bleeding episodes. But with Hemgenics, all it takes is a one-time infusion of the gene therapy, and it seems to work. In clinical trials, 94% of patients stopped their regular treatments after just one dose of Hemgenics. A statement from CSL Bering said that despite the $3.5 million price tag, Hemgenics will still save on the overall economic burden of hemophilia B. CSL Bering bought the global rights from Unicure in 2020 and plans to commercialize the drug. In September, ISI announced that its Alzheimer's drug lecanemab actually slowed cognitive decline in patients. That's a good thing, right? Well, the excitement didn't last long. As Annalie Armstrong reports, after ISI's announcement came reports of two patient deaths from brain bleeds that may have been caused by the drug. Ivan Chung and Michael Irizari, executives from ISI, said that lecanemab was not to blame. The company instead called it a known side effect that has plagued all therapies in the anti-amyloid antibody drug class. ISI is hoping to make the case that the benefits of the therapy outweigh the risks. The biopharma industry might soon have another major acquisition. As Angus Liu reports, Horizon Therapeutics released a statement saying that it has drawn buyout interests from three large pharma companies, Amgen, Johnson & Johnson, and Sanofi. But Horizon said the discussions were highly preliminary. This news was released on Tuesday, and right after that, Horizon's stock price skyrocketed. Analysts at Guggenheim Securities and Cohen noted that the potential deal could be as high as $30 billion. That would make the Horizon acquisition the largest biopharma transaction in two years. Now, because Horizon has made the deal talks public, by law, Amgen, J&J, and Sanofi have until January 10th to announce if they intend to make an offer. Albert Borla is in hot water for some comments he made a year ago. In an interview with the BBC, Borla was describing Pfizer's COVID vaccine for children. He said, There is no doubt in my mind that the benefits completely are in favor of vaccinating youngsters age 5 to 11 against COVID. As Ben Adam reports, the problem is, when Borla said that, Pfizer's vaccine for children hadn't been approved yet. So people started complaining. Among the loudest was Us For Them, a British advocacy group that campaigns for children's rights during the pandemic. 
The Telegraph was the first to report the news that Us For Them filed a complaint. The complaint argued that Borla's comments breached rules that govern drug marketing. And the authority that enforces these rules is called the Prescription Medicines Code of Practice Authority, the PMCPA. It mostly agreed with Us For Them's complaint. The PMCPA branded Borla's comments misleading and overly promotional. But so far, that's really all we know about this ongoing case. We'll just have to wait for the PMCPA's formal ruling to find out more. Push button, get diagnosis. That's what Philips and GE Healthcare are working towards. And this year, they're using artificial intelligence to help clinicians trace down different diseases. As Connor Hale reports, Philips and GE Healthcare rolled out new software offerings this week during the annual meeting of the Radiological Society of North America. GE debuted a platform that makes an MRI machine easier to use. It uses AI and a computerized interface, which should make it possible to conduct an MRI scan with little experience. According to GE, this kind of technology could help an understaffed radiology department. Also at the meeting, Philips showed off its new tech, it will soon offer AI apps that can comb through CT scans for signs of stroke. These apps can also automatically examine the liver for cancer and other diseases. After months of searching, Biogen finally named a new CEO, Christopher Feebucker. Fierce's Fraser Kansteiner and Kevin Dunleavy will talk about the current state of Biogen and how investors reacted to the new CEO hire. Plus, they'll discuss a string of other biopharma CEO appointments. Here's Fraser and Kevin. Hey, Fraser, good to be with you. We're here in the holiday season, and it also seems to be the season for hiring CEOs. We've had four here this month, and uh, most notably was the one at Biogen. The company's really been on a roller coaster ride lately with their Alzheimer's drug going in the tank, and now they look to chart their new course with the new CEO. He's Chris Feebucker. He takes over for Michelle Venatsos. What do we know about Feebucker? Hey, Kevin. Uh, yeah, so Feebucker seems like a logical choice. You know, he he checks a lot of boxes. Um, he has 20 years of experience as an executive at GSK. Uh, he was actually CEO at Sanofi from 2008 through 2014. Uh, and then over on the deal-making side, he founded an investment firm in 2015, Gurnet Point Capital. Uh, and also that same year, he started serving on the board of Boston Pharmaceuticals. So, uh, you know, he certainly has the sort of uh, business and deal-making acumen that we might expect to see from Biogen's pick. Uh, interestingly, though, Feebucker might not have been the company's first choice, uh, as Biogen was apparently courting former Johnson & Johnson R&D chief uh, Matai Mammon. So, Kevin, what happened there with Mammon? Mammon wanted to be able to shape the board at Biogen. Their chairman, Steos Papadopoulos, he's 74, and he's a year away from mandatory retirement age. And there's another key member of the board who also is 74. But the board wasn't going for that. They didn't want to let Mammon have that sort of power. He also wasn't a perfect fit. He left J&J out. It was being hit with the discrimination suit. But there's another factor that might have influenced what Biogen was seeking in a CEO. What, what was that, Fraser? 
Yeah. So this year, uh, Biogen, you know, for reference, had had been looking for a new CEO for for a number of months. Uh, Vinatsos was sticking around in the role, but we knew the company was actively looking. Uh, and in that time, we heard from investors uh, from a few different polls and things like that. Uh, what you know stakeholders were looking for. We heard both that, you know, maybe the company would do well with a sort of an R&D focused person at the helm, uh, in essence, sort of rehabilitating the the big biotech's image uh, in the wake of Agilehelm and its kind of botched Alzheimer's rollout. Um, the other thing that investors indicated they wanted was uh, deal-making expertise uh, and uh, also sort of just commercial expertise. And the reason for this is that in a bit of a surprise, uh, given Agilehelm's stumble, Biogen sort of back in the Alzheimer's game with its uh, ISI partner drug, Lacanumab. Uh, so Trial results indicate that that drug might be on its way to approval, but I should also note that as we're having this conversation, Kevin, uh, we're waiting on Biogen's partner, ISI, to share phase three results on lecanemab, and we've already heard about a second death in the trial. So just really quickly to kind of summarize the story there, uh, basically in September, ISI and Biogen uh, sort of shocked analysts by reporting that uh, a phase three clinical trial of lecanemab hit its primary endpoint basically ending a string of failures for anti-amyloid antibodies, which is the same type of drug that Agilehelm is. Uh, So there was a lot of positivity and excitement then. Since then, however, the mood has shifted a bit with reports of two patient deaths raising questions about what the the risk-benefit profile will look like when researchers unwrap the full data set this week. But back to Biogen CEO, um, Again, there's the idea that they might want someone sort of commercial-minded in, in the uh, captain's seat because they might get something of an Alzheimer's do-over, uh, enter Feebucker. And Kevin, you did a story about investor reaction to the hire. Uh, the survey was anonymous, which we, we definitely love because no one holds back. So how was Feebucker received? It was interesting. He seems to be kind of a a polarizing figure. There was a lot of very strong opinions on either side. For an overall for and against, 58% of investors were for and 42 were against. But there were some comments that were interesting, like one said he was a value destroyer at Sanofi, but then another person said that Chris improved the cost structure during his time at Sanofi, which is something Biogen needs. One more investor said Becker did a smart deal acquiring Genzyme. That's going to be a big emphasis with his hire because R&D is something that the company really needs. It was a controversial deal when it was done, but it really drove growth and was successful for the company. And it was also kind of a transformational deal in that it kind of set the tone for the industry. I think uh, since then, we've seen so many deals that are similar. So investors generally said that Feebucker must duplicate his R&D success at Biogen. Um, And what do you think of that, Fraser? Do you think that's possible? Yeah, I mean, I think his experience running an investment firm should help him here, uh, Gurnett Point. Uh, you know, he spent basically the last seven years uh, scouting uh, investment prospects. I was looking at some of the investor comments. One investor said that Feebucker's time as an investor brings a, a sharper return on investment focus to a large cap industry that often struggles in that area. Um, someone else said pretty candidly, uh, that everyone thinks Biogen is a dirt cheap value stock that will never make a comeback. Uh, and as a result, that investors emphasized partnerships, partnerships, partnerships. And uh, interestingly, they cited the success of Regeneron 
as a model for Biogen to follow. Uh, another investor said quite simply that Feebucker has got a good nose for mergers and acquisitions. We've touched on this a little bit. Uh, Feebucker seemed to do a solid job at Sanofi, but he apparently clashed with the board and was voted out. Should this give Biogen pause, Kevin? Yeah, I think he might be better suited this go-round to deal with something like that. Just the lessons learned from his experience there. And also, he served on the board at Boston Pharmaceuticals, which I think you mentioned earlier, Fraser. I think that'll help as well. One investor said this. This was interesting. Will he be given full reign to make partnerships and acquisitions? He's the highest caliber person they could have gotten. But it will be interesting to see how much authority he has. Yeah, definitely with all of this... uh conversation around board control. It'll be interesting to see what this decision actually looks like in the real world and and whether there's a lot of Biogen deals in, in 2023. Right. Interesting to watch. Biogen's just one of the companies that made a CEO switch, uh, Frazier. Uh, so is Teva. You wrote about this one. What's going on there? Yeah. Teva announced its new CEO, uh, as did Seijin and uh, Rentschler and Oxford Biomedica. As you and I were planning this discussion, we got bombarded by several other big CEO changes. That's kind of the thing is like, oh, but then there's also this one and this one and this one. When it comes to Teva, what's kind of interesting when you compare it to, to CEO changes like the, the ones of Biogen and Seijin, which took uh, quite a few months, uh, you know, it was sort of this open-ended question throughout the year, who would the next leader of these two companies be? Teva really quickly uh, revealed who its new uh, leader was going to be. Uh, it selected its next CEO in a matter of weeks. So it, its current chief executive, uh, Kare Schultz, is going to retire at the end of the year. And he's being replaced by uh, the former head of Novartis's Sandoz unit, Richard Francis. Um, and you know, up until this announcement uh, in November, it actually seemed possible that Schultz was going to stick around for another year or so. Um, just a few weeks before... Uh, that announcement, he'd previously suggested he wouldn't renew his contract when it was going to expire in November of 2023. Um, and as you mentioned, uh, you know there have been a couple different CEO moves. Uh, so on the same day as Teva's announcement, uh, the German contract manufacturer Rentschler also said that its current CEO, Frank Matthias, would be stepping aside in the near future. Uh, we got a lot more clarity on that move the very next day when British Cell and Gene Therapy CDMO Oxford Biomedica said that Matthias is going to become its new chief executive in March 2023. So a lot of moves there. And and Kevin, I know you've been tracking the Seijin story a bit more. Can you tell us what, what happened there? Yeah, Frazier, this change was overshadowed a little bit because it happened the same day as Biogen's move. Seijin's really been reeling since its uh, founder and CEO was arrested for domestic violence, Clay Siegel. That happened back in April. And now they've hired David Epstein. He's 59 years old, uh, 25-year oncology vet from Novartis who really built up their organization when he was put in charge. The key takeaway for me is that Seijin was rumored to be a takeover target for Merck, but I think this move indicates that's not going to happen for a while. I don't think you hire somebody and then make the move to sell off. Well, thank you so much, Kevin, for uh, sharing your insights about Biogen's new CEO and also letting us know a bit more about Seagen. It'll be really interesting to see what both of these companies do under their new leadership uh, starting next year. Certainly, Fraser. Good deal. That's it for The Top Line. I'm senior producer Teresa Carey. Our sound engineer is Caleb Hodgson. You can find out more about these topics in our show notes at fiercepharma.com. 
look for podcasts. And that's the bottom line from the top line.